listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to episode number 12 of the Taming Hindrances podcast. My name's Phil, the host and creator of the podcast. And today's episode is all about the systems or systems in general. Now, last episode, we talked about the mysteries and specifically the mystery schools, how there's esoteric and exoteric ideas and how that is pervasive throughout all the mystery schools, philosophy, religions, all of these you know, different areas or topical subjects that deal with what we call the mysteries or the, you know, universal ideas. Uh, I won't quite put universal truths out there just yet, but universal ideas or, you know, bigger than us picture, that kind of idea. You know, what comes after death? You know, how's the universe work? Why does life exist? What is consciousness? Those types of ideas. Now, those are big and broad and huge. And that's why those systems are considered the mystery schools or, you know, religion covers those topics. It's dealing with the unknown. Most everything I talked about last, last episode, these are schools or systems that work with the unknown and specifically inside the idea that there are these systems, the systems being used typically inside of those structures we talked about where, you know, the initiations, and those types of learning structures or the non-initiative the esoteric, which are the, you know, the inward looking, there are a lot of systems out there. There's systems for everything at this point. Um, just about everything we deal with, be it, you know, esoteric, metaphysic, exoteric, there's systems. We as humanity like to put systematic ideas into place because I think, I personally think it makes things a little bit more edible. It makes them a little bit more palatable. It makes them a little bit more easier to, you know, just consume in that general sense. So let's talk about the systems and specifically the idea of what that entails when it comes to what systems are systems. You could give all sorts of definitions on this, but I'm not going to pull out a Merriam-Webster or a Oxford Dictionary definition at this point. We're just going to simply state that systems are ways of communicating with something. That's that's what I'm defining a system as at this point. A way to communicate with something, and, and, and it's a system. So there's a, there's a methodology. You know, it could be an ideology, but there's a method or a way of communicating with something. Now, what is that something? And what could that something be? Well, that could be yourself. If we're talking about the esoteric side of things, like I said, ESO, esoteric, looking inward or the in the inward uh, mystery schools or self-awareness, self-help, those types of things. Or it could be exoteric, EXO, Uh, That's, you know, things that are dealing outside of the human system, outside of the human uh, normality idea of, you know, like social structures, communal ideas, um, outside the earth, if you will, if you want to take into extraterrestrial ideas. So 
systems are a, a, a communication method. They're a way of communicating with something. Now, that something, again, could be as simple as ourselves or as broad as aliens. Who knows? The fact of the matter here is systems are defined by themselves to work inside themselves. And this is something that took me a little longer than I kind of wish it did to figure out. Um, I've been, again, I was initiated into the Freemasonry. I, you know, have been a part of Shaolin martial arts, which has its own little secret societies involved with it. Um, I've been involved with other martial arts beyond just the Shaolin martial arts, uh, karate, uh, some BJJ. I'm not very good at Brazilian jiu-jitsu, but I've tried it out. Um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, Krav Maga, if you want to, we, I mean, we call that a system. I don't know if you want to call it a martial arts. That's up for debate, I guess, in some circles, but doesn't really matter to me. It's a system. I looked at these things as systems. And this is one of those times where I wax poetically about my martial arts um, history for a little bit to get a better idea of where I'm going to go with this. So the reason, or one of the reasons I call myself a martialist more than I saw, call myself a martial artist is due to how I learned the martial systems. Now I learned Shaolin martial arts, uh, Traditionally and untraditionally, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a, you know, I, I have no connection to the Shaolin temples. I'm not a Shaolin monk. I've trained with a couple Shaolin monks, very interesting fellows. Um, they do crazy shit, but I've, I've not really gone that traditional route. That's a system that I was not really a part of. I was not a part of the traditional Shaolin martial arts system. I was, however part of learning the five animal system of the Shaolin martial arts. I was, you know, a part of learning Chinese traditional medicine systems. So I've, I've dealt with systems inside of systems and it can get really complicated. And that being said, I came across uh, a scream of martial arts, which I believe I've talked about before is where I get the idea of techniques, concepts, and principles from. And that was an important step into learning that systems only work inside the system. That's as, that's as simple as it gets. A system only works inside of the system it was developed to work inside of. That's why systems are methods of communication with something. Uh, in the martial arts world, the system you're using is twofold communication. Communication with your own body and with your opponents or with another physical body. Um, some might even go a little further and say that there's some, you know, there's communication with non-conscious or corporeal entity or items. Um, there are systems like, um, well, that's a little too, too much waxing poetically to get into martial arts at that depth. But I mean, there's training apparatuses that some people would consider that they are using a system to communicate with and by product, they are there for learning more in-depthly about themselves. Mokyong Jong's, um, a scream of sticks as a, more than just a weapon, an extension of the body, those types of things. And this is where, you know, you get into that idea of esoteric versus exoteric. And most martial, martial systems of practice are wholly esoteric to begin with without the person usually realizing it. 
there is much more to be gained about learning who you are and how your body moves when learning a martial arts than there is to learning other things, you know, specifically like learning about another human being or those types of things. Yes, I have gained a lot of wisdom into other humans by what's known as touching hands with them, you know, where you're, you know, either sparring lightly or doing like chi sao drills or these, these connected hand drills or, or foot drills or just, you know, chi sao's uh, in the Western world, push hands, I believe is what we call it in the Western world. But those are systems and they're designed to work inside of that. So if I took, um, let's try to, let's try to take something outside of the martial arts world and bring it into perspective for how systems work. Math is a perfect example of systems working inside of systems. Math is designed to work with math. That's that's how we learn it. One of the things that made me pretty good at math was the fact that I just like had, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say like I came up with this. I did have a teacher who kind of like instilled this into me. Uh, Mr. Hanrahan, I don't think you'll ever listen to this, but uh, my seventh grade math teacher kind of taught me that math only works when you follow the rules, right? Like, stop asking why. Remember how I don't like why questions. Why does math work? It's because it follows the rules. That's why it works. How does math work? Again, a better question. You know, take abstractivity out of it. Take, you know, put a rational, more subjugated thought process into it. Use logic more more so than reason. Although reason and logic go together. Uh, I don't need to know the reason why math works. I need to know how to do math. That's the logic behind just turning your brain off and learning the rules to math. And then it all just works and makes sense. Like you come up with the right answer, you get the right answer. That's, that's simple as that. Getting into thought processes about how to use math in your daily life. That, that's, that comes later. It doesn't really matter. You know, if you want to learn geometry specifically to do something with geometrical shapes, that's a bigger conversation than just learning what an isosceles triangle is, learning why a square is a square, why a rectangle is a rectangle, or how all squares are rectangles, because that's how the rules work. That's the idea of systems working inside of systems. If I'm going to teach you arithmetic, I'm going to teach you math, I just teach you that system, and now you have the language in order to work with almost all mathematical equations. You might need to pick up a new rule here or there, but as long as you have PEMDAS down, uh, parentheses, ampersands, I don't remember what PEMDAS actually stands for, but that whole thing of the order of operations, as long as you have that, you know the system and the system works inside the system, working with math. Now, if I take the system for math and I move it over to language arts, um, I mean, some of it might, you know, I mean, there's language, there's words, um, there's orders of operations. Okay. There's a little bit there. So this is where, you know, if I know how to use a period or a comma or those types of things, like if I know how to write the English language correctly, there's some order of operations, there's some rules, right? But again, that's a system working inside of its system. And we can see some similarities between systems, specifically that you have to work inside the system. Phil, you're getting repetitive. Well, repetition is the mother of all skill. Uh, 
that point greatly changed how I absorbed almost all metaphysics, all philosophy, all the mystery school stuff that I ever came across after that point. And again, it took me a really long time. Mr. Hanrahan might've taught me how uh, math worked and why I should just not ask why and just learn how the system works. But it took me through my martial arts career and specifically when I switched from being a martial artist, uh, which was very early on, about a year or two in, to being a martialist. And this is the biggest definition I can give you between those two things is a martial artist learns and is competent inside of a system. A martialist learns how the systems interact. And that's, that's about as, as specific as I can get it with it. Um, a martialist can just be a single system operator. They can, you know, just be using McMap or just be using Krav Maga. You know, if it's a military training, they can just be using BJJ. They can just be using, you know, boxing, striking techniques. That's fine. It may be an incomplete system at that point, which is where this idea clicked over. So again, I want to try to bring this out of the martial arts world a little bit. If we look at, again, math, maybe it's not your favorite subject, but it's, it's a good analogy in this system, force system, sorry. The idea of the order op of operations works inside of all mathematical systems. So it would technically be what's considered a principal idea of math. The order of operations works no matter what type of math I'm doing, trigonometry, algebra, geometry, fractions, it, the order of operations is the order of operations and it's it systematically works across the whole system. That's a principle. A technique is just, you know, addition. That's a technique. A conceptual idea would be geometry versus trigonometry versus algebra versus theoretical maths. That's where conceptual levels now a system to be whole must have principles. It must have concepts. It must have techniques. If it is lacking one of those, it's not a system. It, it's just kind of an incomplete idea. Not to say you couldn't use it. I can look at geometry and not have the full system of geometry. Maybe I don't know about order of operations, but I do know the technique to come up with the angles of a triangle. I know how to calculate an isosceles triangle's angles. You know, I, I, I know that conceptual idea that all triangles have to add up to whatever, I forget what the, all triangles have to add up to 360, is that the rule? The angles inside of a triangle have to add up to 360. So, yeah, 90, 90, I don't remember, it doesn't matter. The idea here though, is that would just be the, if I just had that concept, if I just knew, and obviously I don't, so I'm incomplete in the system, but if I just knew the conceptual idea that all of the angles inside of a triangle have to add up to a certain amount for it to be considered a triangle, and then I can use a technique to figure out a missing angle if I don't know one of them, if I have two of the others. So that's the technique. Conceptually, I know 
This is a triangle. This is how we get triangles. Here's a technique of how to figure out the angle of one of that doesn't mean I have say order of operations or that I know that a square has to have all equal angles. So I might just have a concept and a technique or a bunch of techniques and just a concept, but I don't have the principal idea behind it. And that is where we have incomplete systems. And there are a lot of incomplete systems in the world. There are a lot of incomplete systems in the world. And that's not to say that the systems are wrong or broken or they don't work. It's just that they're incomplete. There's a lot of incomplete martial arts systems out there. Any martial arts system out there that's only activating on one level is technically incomplete. And by level, I mean there's in the martialist world, you need to be able to kick, strike, grapple, and submit. That's the rule. There's four four pieces to a martialist. You have to be able to know how to kick, throw certain types of kick. Taekwondo, they got those down. You need to know how to strike. Boxing, that they know how to strike. You have to be able to grapple. BJJ, they know how to grapple. And you have to be able to submit. Now, submission is an interesting piece because you could kick someone into submission, strike them into submission, grapple them into submission. So, you, But you need to be able to submit them. And that's where we get into the highest level is the mentality. So not only do we have these four pieces to be a full system or a, a full martialist, have a full martial system, you also need to have the ranges of, um, depending on the system, they use different vocabulary, but in the systems I most dealt with, you have to have the human, you have to have the human idea that's striking, grappling, you know, kicking, that's the human acting. And then the submission piece is the mental side. So we have the external, um, typically referred to as the Nagong in uh, Chinese martial arts. And then you have, have an internal practice or a mental practice that's typically considered Qigong or internal practices. And then the fullest of all systems include some sort of energetic piece, quote unquote energetic piece. And that could be, Oh, that could be all sorts of stuff uh, you could use. So this is where specifically I learned you have to work inside the system. I cannot take Qigong practice and give it to a Nagong Karate practitioner. They're two separate systems. Karate works in its own system. And inside of Karate as a whole, you know, branching idea, there's a bunch of different schools. There's, you know, Gyoji Ryo. There's, uh, the Fukian, there's, there's all sorts of, you know, karate schools that have their own systems and methods. So if I take the Chinese side, the Qigong practices, and I give it to say a Gyoji Ryo practitioner and the karate side, it, it, they may get something out of it, but it may not benefit them in any way. It may actually screw them up. So why this becomes very important when we talk about other systems is that that idea, that practice of working inside of the system is really the best way to get as much out of the system as possible. And we must be very careful when we start to mix things. And I find that this is where inside the mental health and the self-awareness practices 
there's a lot of mixing going on. There's a lot of like, oh, I'll just take this piece from here and that piece from there. And that's okay to do only when you are creating your own system. So I have to ask, do you have your own system? Are you aware of your own system and practices? Have you tried other systems and are now mixing and matching them? Are you committed to one style or one system of, you know, self-help or those types of things? We have to be very careful with this because I find it's the easiest way to lead ourselves astray. And it's the easiest way to undo healthy practice into not healthy practice or to undo progress into getting stuck and being lost again and just feeling like you're in limbo. Specifically, when we look at self-help, there are so many self-help things out there. And this is a topic that I get a, a little a little jaded on simply because the self-help world has become a cesspool for awesome, amazing people doing great work and terrible, filthy human beings trying to make a dollar. So it's important to shield yourself and guard yourself from those shitty systems and to be able to pick out a correct system that's going to work best for you. And then when you move, you know, farther into your journey, you can then maybe mix and match. I do not recommend mixing and matching to start. It's, it's kind of a recipe for disaster in the beginning, specifically when you're coming up with what I like to call your base. Everyone has a base and that base may change throughout your life, but the base can also be represented as rock bottom. Rock bottom is some of the, the strongest ground you can stand upon because you can go no further down. It is solid. You know the depths of it. And yeah, maybe you just want to build yourself a little, you know, four inch platform that keeps the water at bay when the rain falls down the hole. And, you know, you build a little platform on top of that and that's where you sleep while the rain comes in and fills up the bottom of the little rock bottom hole you've stuck yourself into or gotten stuck into. Now you still can, you know, grab a couple hours of sleep because you're just right off the top of that level. That's base. That's, that's where your base is. It's right there, just a little bit above rock bottom. And it has to do with everything we've talked about in the beginning episodes of this podcast. What's your education level? What have you been educated on? What's your belief structure? Do you have a belief structure? Do you want one? You know, are you looking into one? What kind of language do you use or surrounded with? What are your relationships like? Not just with people, but with, you know, food or other non-comporeal items or non-contextual or non-conscious items. What are, what is your emotional levels? You know, are, do you have control of your emotions? Are you working on getting control of your emotions? Do you understand your emotions? Do you have ones that you feel a lot that you don't feel so much of others? How is that building your reality? And that's really where your base is. And then from there, we can kind of branch out and we can do other stuff, but we have to be careful with the systems we're getting involved with. In the martial arts world, this is pretty much the politics of martial arts. Whose system's better? Who's better than who? Now, is there an engaging way in which to figure that out? Sure. You know, they invented mixed martial arts, MMA. You know, Dana White created the MMA fighting, you know, UFC and has 
that has flourished into, you know, kind of the pinnacle of, of combat sports here in the West. Um, before that, we had what was known as the Grand Prix in the East. Um, it was mostly kickboxing, but a lot of fighters ended up in the Grand Prix system. Uh, Grand Prix fights were pretty amazing back in the day. Some of them still are. A bunch of Shaolin monks have fought in the Grand Prix. Uh, Muay Thai people, kickboxers, all sorts of people fought in the Grand Prix. Now we have the UFC here because we added a cage and made it cool and an octagon. And I'm not diminishing them anyway. They are some of the most physically fit athletes you'll ever meet, along with uh, world strong people. Those are some of the most physically fit athletes. They might not look at, you might look at a strong athlete um, and be like, oh, they look oh, kind of heavy set. No, 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 no. Trust me. They're really, really fit. Um, cardio is a whole different thing than whole physical fitness. A system, right? There's a whole system that I, I stress everyone needs to learn about. And it's a really good way to create a good base is to learn the human anatomy system. Anatomy and physiology is probably, in my book, the, I don't know if I want to put it number one, but I kind of want to put it number one as the number one system to learn about yourself. Learn what your anatomy and physiology is, and then take a step further and learn about like your genetics and how that changes things for you. Why? Remember, don't like why questions, but in genetics, you kind of ask to have, it's kind of a, just a misnomer not to ask why. Why are your eyes the color they are? Why is your hair the color that it is? Why is your skin the color it is? When we learn about anatomy and physiology and the systems that go along with the body, the major seven systems, like your endocrine system, your nervous system, we gain a piece of knowledge that can break down some huge barriers. The reason skin color is the, re the color it is, is purely genetical and was purely evolutionary. That's it. There's no massive difference because of skin color in the human individual. It's a factor of melatonin production. Now that's it. And it all has to do with RNA and, MR and you know, DNA sequencing of what skin color you get when you're born. That's it. There's no difference internally. Nothing, you know, there may be differentiation due to where, you know, your genetic lineage goes from. If you want to get into that, I'm kind of a mud of the world, but I do have like North Germanic kind of that idea. I'm short, I'm stocky, I'm built for war. You know, 5'10", 270 pounds, and I'm built for war. I got a, I got a big, strong back, a jaw, you know, I'm, I'm built to fight to protect my home and then farm when I'm not fighting. That's my entire genetic lineage. That's what they were designed to do. You can just look at me and be like, oh, yeah, he would be really good plowing a field and planting and harvesting things I've actually done. And he'd be pretty good picking up a club and beating somebody over the head with it. I have not done that. So, like, that's all there is. It's just like, what was your genetic lineage like? What did they do? That's probably why you have the build you do now it's genetic. And once you learn those systems, specifically in the anatomy and physiology systems, you get a better understanding of how other humans work, how you work specifically. And this is where 
I find this whole idea of looking at the systems really helps us gain better truths. And truth is something I, I want to get into in a, probably its own separate topic, but we can gain better truths from understanding systems. And again, we have to be careful what systems we get ourselves into, and we have to be discerning about how systems were developed, what those systems teach us. And this is where perspective, as we talked about, kind of comes into play. If we want to get into one of the mystery schools, we need to keep a careful eye on our perspective and make sure that our perspective stays within us and is, is defined by our own selves and not be given to someone else. As much as I like people to learn anatomy and physiology, that doesn't mean you should go specifically only study one school, you know, specifically like if you want to get into like the Western school of anatomy and physiology, because it's bigger and broader than that. We have thousands of years of history, although some of it in my book has been held back from us. But we have thousands of years of history of people studying this. Go read Paracelsus, uh, Paracelsus von Honenheim, who I guess technically could be one of the grandfathers of modern medicine. He writes about all sorts of stuff that we use in anatomy and physiology today, but he also writes about like what we consider crazy out there shit. You know, he writes about um, spirits and, and essence and, you know, he was a bit of an alchemist. So those individuals had what I consider a deeper understanding of the systems that we've kind of lost. And does that do us a disjustice? A little bit. Can we get those systems back? Maybe it depends on how much study and time and practice we want to put into it. But also we need to understand that a system can be incomplete, but still work. Looking at this from a Marshall's perspective, I learned which systems worked inside their systems and then what systems worked against other systems. And this is the, again, when I talked about the difference between a martialist and a, mar, uh, a martialist and a martial artist, a martialist more so puts their time and effort into developing themselves their mentality, skills, and understanding so that they can combat just about anything. Or maybe they're solely focused on combating one thing. This is known as the art of war. Um, if you want to read Sun Shoes, The Art of War, it's, a, it's an interesting read. Um, I also would recommend Miyasashi's Book of Five Rings. Uh, Miyasashi was a samurai. Um, and it's, I mean, still quoted. Miyasashi's Book of Five Rings, maybe before The Art of War. They're both not the most easy things to understand, but I find Miyasashi um, writes in a more prophetic... Sunshu is very prophetic, but Miyasashi writes... It's a little bit more modern, and also he writes it almost anecdotally to the point where you can just kind of take an excerpt of Miyasashi and apply it just about anything. Uh, very true principle thinker. In fact, my study of Miyasashi in the Book of Five Rings, um, as, as well as The Art of War and uh, some modern-day tactical books, uh, I studied the Roman Legionnaire, uh, defense arts, uh, because 
if you want to get deeply into it and I'll have to get into this at another time again, I always have to digress a little bit, but the Roman legionnaire fighting system is a, is a system of defense. Um, the Roman legion was most effective defending than they were attacking. Now that's not seen because the upper echelon pushed the Roman legions into attacking and conquering, but inside of the fight, the Roman legion was most effective in defense that the whole legionary system of the shields and spear sword and short sword combination was to break the defense against them. You, they would break their attackers against their defense. And then as they expelled themselves trying to defeat their wall, they would destroy them afterwards. So there are these bigger, broader systems that even militaries to today, you know, use there's, most all military acts come down to intelligence in the very end. And that's where, again, a martialist is specifically defining themselves as their own personal system. And that's where I developed this idea of you have to work inside of the system to get the most out of that system. And again, a system doesn't have to be fully complete. Is my full system complete? No, I have plenty more I have to learn and plenty more new things I have to either develop or understand. And I just kind of work as it, as I go. And that's kind of the mentality you might need to take to make progress. Things aren't going to be perfect. Actually, they're designed not to be perfect. If everything was perfect, you'd have no reason to try to better yourself. You'd have no reason or motivation to do anything because it would just be perfect. Also, if everything was perfect, there would be no perfection because nothing would be broken or not perfect. Again, duality, two sides, same coin. You need them to measure each other. So if we're, again, me digressing, coming back, if we're looking at systems, how can we, how can we get an idea of if a system works or not? One, uh, I don't know how any other, a better way to put this, and I really don't mince words. You got to fucking try it. That's or you need to go get anecdotal evidence from an individual who you trust and whose opinion matters to you or aligns with yours. Um, people have essentially built businesses off that idea. Anyone who does consulting work is literally building a business off of the trust of the idea that someone thinks they're an expert or their opinionation or perspective and perception aligns with theirs enough that they would trust that, that piece of information coming from that person. So you need to go fucking try a system to see if it's going to work and you need to kind of use your gut. You know, if it feels wrong and if it doesn't align with your moral or ethical uh, principles, then you shouldn't do it. If it doesn't, I don't want to say bring you joy or happiness because I don't, I don't like those, those topics essentially, as far as like measurements, um, this gets into, I don't know how much I've covered it, and I might just make this its own episode itself. Um, when you look at quantitative versus qualitative, this is an important factor here. Quantitative is a, a measurement system based on, let's call it numerical factual based evidence. And then qualitative is like what you feel. So if you're not in touch with how you feel with things like your emotional balance and states, 
Maybe qualitative isn't the way to measure. Maybe you need to use something that's quantitative that you can like, if you, you know, let's use weight loss, something I'm very familiar with. As I've said before, it takes me or it took me, and it still takes me sometimes looking in the mirror and going, you fat piece of shit, get your shit together. Stop fucking shoving cheesesteaks down your face and, you know, stop eating fried food. And it takes that level of interaction qualitative how I feel, what my, you know, is my clothing getting to, you know, am I having trouble putting my freaking socks on and tying my shoes? It takes that qualitative, but when it comes to me, it takes that qualitative to get me back into like losing weight and getting healthy and staying fit. But when it comes to actually fitness and health, it's all quantitative for me. That's my, ra- I'm just rational that way. It's, it's all logic and rationale. I'm just logically minded. I have to look at like, Calories in, calories out. Not so much what the scale's telling me, more maybe what my measurements are telling me. I've learned, you know, scale, I'm 270, but what are my bicep measurements? What are my leg measurements? You know, what's my waist measurement? I don't, I fluctuate weight a lot, but like my measurements really tell me more. Am I eating too much, um, am I eating too much bread? Is, is my inflammation levels going up because I have too much sugar going through my system? Uh, salivary amylase, which is your saliva turns bread into sugar in case anybody want to know if you're eating bread, you're eating sugar. Sorry. So it's a simple sucro. It's a single mom. Anyway, um, don't, I'm not saying don't eat bread, but if, if you have issues with, you know, inflammation, which a lot of medical problems start as bad inflammation then yeah, limiting bread or sugar is probably a good place to start. So that's where like things for me can be very quantitative that way, but maybe it takes a qualitative start. And that's one way to judge if how you should get involved into a system or if that system's really going to work for you. If you're a quantitative person, then the South Beach diet's probably going to do pretty well for you because they do everything quantitatively. You measure how many calories did I eat today? How many more calories? And they have a system for that. Is that system wholly complete? No, they don't look at supplementation and they don't look at, you know, vitamin levels as far as I know in the South Beach diet. So yes, it's an incomplete system who I've watched multiple people lose a ton of weight on. And that's a system you have to work in. You have to use the South Beach system to get the South Beach diet to work for you. You can't just be like, well, I'm going to do it like four days a week. And then, you know, the other three days a week, I'm going to do my own thing. Nope. Don't do that. That's, that's a recipe for disaster. This is where I mean by working inside the system. If you want to do the self-help thing and you're all like, man, Tony Robbins gets me pumped. I get it. I do. He's a great speaker. And unfortunately I have to respect him a little bit because he did come out and say like, I used to be a complete and total asshole. And you know, now I'm this, like he admitted all his faults. He pulled a dominoes. He was like, Nope, I was a shitty person. Here's how I'm trying not to be shitty anymore. I got to respect him in that fact. And has he helped a ton of people? Yes. But you have to work in the Tony Robbins system. You have to follow his system. And if it's worth the money to you, you do it. You know, if it's worth paying X number of dollars to go see him live, you do it because you're working inside that system. But you have to figure out if that system is going to work for you. And this is where, this was my big aha moment in the martial world. Learning the effective ideas of knowing like within a little bit or just a little research or study, maybe not even actually signing up for a system or delving into a system, learning if it was going to work for me before even getting involved 
was a piece of knowledge that is so beneficial to you that I hope you can, you can go gain or you can go develop because that almost intuitional tool of knowing, yeah, this is for me or this isn't for me really, really will change that feeling of maybe helplessness or fear or anxiety. It really helps to work with that because now you have more of a control structure to work from. This is what I talk about when starting from your base. So this idea of systems helps us almost create our own system for looking at systems. And some of the ways this has been put in place, if I just kind of go off on a little side tangent here for a second, when I talked about the mystery schools and I talked about the initiation practices, those initiation practices are the system inside of the system to keep people going. A lot of systems are a, a reward-based system. And that's kind of, well, it's good and bad. Um, a lot of systems are developed to be that way. And there's also risk-reward systems. So it, it gets a little complicated to look at it that way. I like to take a step back. And this is where I like anatomy and physiology as a really good starting system to learn. If we're, if we're looking at something that's risk-reward or reward-based or initiatory, it's a really good idea to wrap your head around the endocrine system in the body if you're going to pick one of the anatomy and physiology systems and how a lot of the things we do as humans are based on chemical reactions. And those chemical reactions are specifically working in the realm of four major chemical cocktails or a chemical cocktail that's made up of four major chemicals in the body. And I'm probably going to forget one of them because I always do, but we have um, dopamine, which almost all addiction is based on a dopamine response, serotonin, cortisol, and neuroepinephrine or epinephrine, which is adrenal cortex. So these three pieces make up a lot of how we interact with our environment and the reward based system that the human system is looking for. And it does affect us both physically and mentally. So it's a good idea to learn like what is dopamine? How does dopamine affect our decision-making process? Well, addiction is based on dopamine. You know, if, if you've ever smoked cigarettes, if you've ever drank alcohol, if you've ever exercised, if you've ever eaten something delicious, there's a dopamine factor. When we eat really tasty, sweet food, our body goes, ho, 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 calories. We need calories to survive. We can store that glucose as fat, you know, and use it to survive later if we ever can't find a meal. So we get a dopamine rush from eating sweet foods. Or similarly, if, you know, you're not a sweets person and you're like a savory, flavorful, like fatty, acidy stuff, same thing. It's our bodies telling us like, yes, more of this. Give me more. I need this to survive. Here's some dopamine, stupid human. Thank you. Your, your physical system thanks you for doing this. So here's some dopamine to make your brain feel good. With that, we also have serotonin and then... Uh, serotonin 
goes along like there's always a balancing level with you know dopamine serotonin and then we have cortisol and cortisol is the stress hormone and cortisol is that one that makes us feel lethargic and makes us feel kind of like oh i just i I don't want to makes us feel down there's a lot of cortisol measurements in what clinically is called depression when it comes to chemical imbalances beta blockers those types of things um so you know, if we have this a cortisol response, that's a that's a stress response. That's like, oh, I'm I'm stressed. You know, cortisol levels are rising. I feel like shit. And then also, you know, we have in there the norepinephrine or epinephrine response, which is ad- adrenal cortex or adrenal adrenaline response, which I believe I've talked about before. And that's you know, like the get up and go and the fight, you know, the do those types of things. They all balance each other out in one way or another. And there's other parts of the endocrine system. There's other chemical processes, but those are the big major four when we look at the balance of mentality to uh, physicality. So if we look at that idea, when we talk about systems, we get a better understanding of like, oh, is this just giving me a dopamine rush? Is that is that what this is doing for me? Like, is, is that really what I'm, I'm seeking? And do I need that? This is how we check our coping mechanism systems. You know, if if alcohol is your coping mechanism, you're doing your body some harm. There's there's plenty of research out there, and there's there's no fighting that. Even if it's you know the the one drink a night, it, you're still doing some harm to your system. Is your body repairing itself? Probably. But is there a dopamine response there that maybe you could put elsewhere? Probably. You know, you get a dopamine response from exercising. So. Yes. Has there been plenty of research about the whole, like one glass of red wine, you know, one, you know, two finger whiskey, that type of stuff for helping with, you know, thinning out blood and cholesterol levels, all that stuff. Sure. Go do your research on it. Remember, I'm just an idiot. I'm not a doctor, cannot diagnose, prescribe. I mean, this is not advice. This is just, Hey, go think about this shit and learn about it because it'll benefit you. So yeah, there's a bunch of these things we have to look at to develop better systems or to look at a system and see if it's working for us or not working for us, or will it work for us? So in my Marshall world, I have, I had been just going at all sorts of systems and I came across a schema um, and specifically that techniques, concepts and principles. And that got me so far that taught me if a a system was complete or not. And we can look to see if a, a system is complete based on the upper level. So you, if you have just a single system, let's, um, how do we want to do this? Let's use food. Everybody likes food, right? So not everybody likes food, but restaurants. If you look at food, that's, that's, it's, that's the uppermost level of the systematic idea of, you know, putting shit in our mouths and digesting it and getting nutrition out of it. We have food. Well, there's classifications of food, right? As humans, we like to break things down into classifications. So if we want to look at a restaurant, a restaurant might be one system of the whole world of food. Maybe it's a Greek restaurant. Maybe it's a pizza shop. Maybe it's Americana. Maybe it's Chinese. Maybe it's, you know, Japanese, maybe it's Indian food, maybe it's Mexican, maybe it's, you know, a Brazilian steakhouse, whatever classification it gives itself, it's working in that system of food. 
what you don't see is in the back, back of the house, as we call it, in the kitchen, there's a specific set of items that kind of work in that type of system. If it's Americana, they probably have a plancho or what's commonly referred to as a flat top grill station. They probably have a fryer, a broiler, maybe a microwave. That's, and you know, they probably have a bain-marie, which is, you know, like a salad prep, hoagie prep area. That's, that's the system they're working in. They have, they probably have salt, pepper, some barbecue sauce, some hot sauce, ketchup, mustard, mayo, Americana, right? That's, that's what they're doing. They're making burgers, they're making cheesesteaks, you know, slinging French fries. That's what they're doing. That's, that's the system they're working in. That doesn't cover the whole culinary system that works inside of the system of food. So if we have food at the upper level, nutrition taking in, we have the culinary system, which is the preparation of those, those items. And then subject to that, we have like the nutritional fields of like a nutritionist and all these other things and like chemical processes and, you know, all the weird shit you find in the Amazon with like, oh, if I eat this leaf, like it's going to solve my, you know, eczema, like all sorts of stuff like that. So all of these systems underneath this idea of food, what is really food as a system? Is it edible? That's the principal idea of all food. Can you eat it? Is it going to kill you if you eat it? That's it. That's it. That's all there is. That's the most upper level of the system of food, which means that is the universal idea of what food is. This was once discussed um, before the Renaissance, during the Renaissance, and in most fairy tale uh, books of the day and age, even into today, those universal ideas are essentially what we talk about in those, those stories or anecdotal ideas. We're looking for what's considered a universal truth. And again, I'm, I'll do an, an episode on universal truth or just truth in general. But those universal ideas are that way. There's, there is separation. When I say universal ideas, there are some classifications inside of that. There's classifications and everything, right? But... Those are how we link systems. In the human mentality, your ethics and your morals are one of the ways we have universal linking to other systems. Specifically because people are tribal, our morals and our ethics, our belief structures, those types of things are the base interaction level of how we go about working with the world around us. That's the basis for it all. Many, many wars, almost all war. Well, I take that back. Most modern wars are fought for bullshit ideas, but the basis of the beginning of the idea of war inside of humanity was fought over resource and land, land being a resource or massive ideological differences that could not be reconciled. And that was a base operation of how, you know, people worked inside of their systems and those systems could be dangerous to the human being. If you were Catholic during the crusades and you walked into a non-Catholic region, you're probably going to get killed. 
due to your belief structure. That's just how it was. And in some cases, that's still how it is today. So that's why we have to be careful about the systems we get ourselves involved in. And that's why understanding what your base values are are also a good practice to get into to get a better idea of, is this system going to work for me? Is it not going to work for me? Does it represent who I am? Does it not represent who I am? You know, if you're wholly adamant against, I can't think of a good culinary reference here, but if you're absolutely against meat, that eliminates a whole subgenre and subsection of the culinary practices, or the culinary systems of preparation of, you know, animal meats. So like, that's your choice. That's your decision. But like that is your base value of how you're going to interact with that upper level system known as food, things that are edible that we put in our face. So that's why systems as a whole only work inside the system. You can't work vegetarianism into, or you, 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 you end up with an incomplete system. I guess I have to say it that way. Sure. Is there Americana preparation of vegetarian? Yeah, we have salads and those types of things, but like technically that's Greek preparation anyway. Um, but if you have that, like what I'm getting to here is if you have that specific piece of yourself that you feel is a representation of who you are and it is uncompromisable, you're technically eliminating the process of other systems. And thus those systems will not work for you because you have eliminated a piece of the system. And now it is an incomplete system. It might've been an incomplete system to begin with, but now it's definitely an incomplete system and it's probably not going to work for you. So you shouldn't fucking try it. You shouldn't go do it. It's not for you. Not to say that it couldn't be. I've done all of it. I've done pescatarian, vegetarian, keto, only meat, you know, the, the carnivore diet. I've done all of them. I did them all because I had to figure out which one was going to work for me. Now I have the system of Phil's diet. That's a system I created for myself. Took a lot of looking at other pieces but I never, I never before this mixed and matched. If I was trying the keto diet, I did keto. If I was trying the carnivore diet, I did the carnivore diet. And that came from my understanding of martial arts. If I was, if I was doing a scream of fighting, I was using a stick-based fighting method that had certain maneuvers. I learned a specific type of a screamer. There are many different types of screamer, like a Kalia screamer and all these other ones. But I learned a specific type of a screamer that had its system of patterns, ranges, you know, it was its own system and it worked inside of that system. If I was training with someone from a different system, we might be able to figure it out. But like when I went from a one and it was like a, a coming across downward strike and their one was like an upward jab, not going to work. We're both going to hit each other and that's not really going to work very well. So, Yes, systems may work against other systems, but they're not designed that way. They're designed to work inside the system. Take it one step farther, and then you move into 
oh, wait a minute. If a system is only working inside the system, then I have to work inside of that system to learn it. But then you can you can kind of destruct it. You can you can take it apart and find those universal truths or find those universal ideas that now maybe work to connect to other systems. And that's the whole study of war. And that's how I got involved with that. Like I said, Art of War, Miyasashi's Five Rings, um, the Eskrima that I was taking, the Shaolin systems, the, you know, all of these different ideas. Is it, again, striking, kicking, grappling? How do I submit by striking? How do I submit by kicking? How do I submit by grappling? You know, how do I submit a person mentally? How do I get so far into their head you know, using something like eye contact or, you know, verbal expression or just the instance of pain is another, you know, way we kind of communicate as a martialist. If you can instantaneously cause someone pain without them actually like having any further interaction with you, they're going to back the fuck off. That's the whole system of Dimmock pressure point, fighting joint manipulation, small joint manipulation. You know, Brazilian jiu-jitsu uses it with like umaplatas and kimuras and their joint locking system. That structure of causing someone irrevocable pain immediately upon contact, even if they're, you know, attacking you or not attacking you, that makes somebody back the fuck off or at least gives them that mental click over of, oh shit, I don't want to mess with this person. This is a bad idea. Let's back away. So, that's where I kind of got into, I was interacting with all of these systems around me. I was doing open mats. You know, I was, I was touching hands with all these other different martial artists and martialists. And even I was getting to like, I was having philosophical debates with people. We were talking like, you know, Plato versus Socrates versus Aristotle versus Sun Shu versus, you know, um, Nietzsche versus just these amazing conversations that I was having in the philosophical worlds and like ethics and morals and all of these different things, or, you know, religious beliefs and aspects. That's what taught me. That, okay. If I'm going to work inside of a system and learn a system, I have to use that system. It does not work outside of that system. I cannot, cannot mix and match. I can, however, learn the universal linking pieces that that system may connect to or have interaction with another system. Then I must get rid of at the highest level, any connotation because once I get rid of the connotation then I remove the judgment and no judgment means that there can be, how do I put this? If you remove judgment, through the removal of connotation, you are left with open receptiveness. And once you can receive, you can destroy, which is an interesting conceptual and almost principle idea, in some cases it is principle depending on the system, that if you can receive the system without judgment or connotation, you can destroy it and this is very important when it comes to war or any martial aspect. 
if I can receive an individual without connotation or judgment, I can perceive them and receive them and know everything about them. And if I need to, I can pick them apart and destroy them. This is all fight prep. This is all combat, be it at large scale, you know, studying Roman Legion warfare down to mixed martial arts on the mat fighting. Be it, you know, if you're using whatever system you're using, if I'm using Tai Chi, same thing. If I'm using Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, same thing. If I'm using Krav Maga, same thing. If I'm using any one of the Eskrima, Karate, Muay Thai, any of it. Removing the connotation removes the judgment, allows us to receive. and By reception, we can destruct. And if we can destruct something, we can take out all the bullshit. We can get rid of it. And we can use the pieces we need to build upon ourselves. So I ask you, what is your system of interaction? Would you like to add to it? Can you better it? Do you want to better it? How are you using that system to interact outward? Go back and think about your education, belief, language, relationships, emotions, the reality, the choices you're making. Is your choices connecting into change? What's your perspective, perception? Are you interested in the mysteries, philosophies, and those types of things? Are you expanding your mind in any way? Are you attempting to do any thinking? Are you thinking at all? Are you taming hindrances and neural kinetics? Because once we get into that, we can really create our own personal system. And once you do that, you can work on self-awareness and mental health at a level that was never attainable before that. Almost all of the great books written about warfare are about the mentality of war itself. And that starts with the decisions one has to make as a leader or as a follower. And they cover both. Miyasashi's book of five rings comes from someone who perspectively we look at and think is very arrogant in the way he talks about how effective his system was. But if you look a little deeper, you realize that he did so because he was not a follower. Miyasashi followed no one. He wanted to follow no one and he didn't really even want to be followed. He didn't believe in it. He believed your way must be your way. That was the system known as Miyasashi. That was his five rings. They equivalated to he was Miyasashi. He was going to continue being Miyasashi and Miyasashi was a warrior. He wanted to fight. He wanted to test himself and he was wholly resolved in doing so. If you look at Marcus Aurelius's meditations, Marcus Aurelius was a stoic. He was inwardly thinking in a world in which he had no equal. He had no one to have a conversation with about who he was, who he wanted to be, needed to be, the mass amount of stress and anxiety he had as a ruler, as a self-individual. So he ruminated and meditated it, meditated on himself and wrote it down in a diary known as Marcus Aurelius' Meditation and we created Stoicism out of it. Wholly that book 
was simply for himself. He wanted no one else to ever find it because had they found his memoirs, his diary, his meditations, they could have used it against him. So he hid it from everyone until eventually it was published afterwards. Sun Shu's The Art of War deciphers the idea of what it is to lead someone into battle by understanding the mentality of the person you're sending into battle and the person they will face thereof. It's a mental game. War has always been a mental game. A martialist works in the mental. The fight happens in your mind before it actually happens physically. We look at, you know, muscle memory and all these other things. And the systems that we use all become mental and it becomes mental exercise. So are you exercising your brain? Are you studying something right now? Are you, you know, taking a break? That's an exercise too. You know, just take a break and just chill and relax and get control of that mental state. In some cases throughout some of the philosophies and in some of the mystery schools and in some religions, there is a statement of the conscious system and that this is kind of the world most metaphysics work in is what is consciousness and is there anything else other than consciousness? Is the sound you're hearing my voice make mine or yours? Are you consciously creating a voice for me or have I created my voice to get to you? That is something, you know, Sun Shu is written in. That's actually in the Tao Te Ching too. Uh, another interesting read, the Tao Te Ching. So these philosophical standpoints that led me out of just the world of martialism and martial arts and combat and all these things carried me into, oh, there's these systems and I have to learn the system. In order to understand Sun Shu, I have to read the art of war from the perspective of, okay, what is he trying to teach me? What's the system he's using? Okay. I need to burn my energy enemy's bridge. You know, Sun Shu fights wars on essentially who can get the most supplies and the most troops to wear. Whoever's got the biggest army and can get them to the field wins. That's a pretty basic idea of Sun Shu's Art of War. Miyasashi more so wrote, whoever has the mentality to win, wins. That's, that was his idea of winning. Was He showed up understanding he was going to win. At no point in time did Miyasashi go, I'm going to lose this fight. No, it was a life or death. Miyasashi always showed up and said, I'm going to draw faster and kill my opponent before they can even get their sword out of its sheath. That was his like number one way to kill someone was, I'm going to draw my sword faster. So when we, when I looked at those systems and then I took it into, okay, okay, here's the system. Perfect. I'm learning it. It's working. But wait, I want to learn this system over here. I didn't jump ship and take everything with me. I kind of compartmentalized it a little bit and said, okay, well, till I can learn this other system, I can't interact with it too. I can bring some things with me that are me personally, a, a 
a good book can change you as a human being and just change your perspective and how you look at the world. But it doesn't mean it's going to change that system you're about to learn. It might just be how you interact with it. Which is why, in some cases, we need to look at the systems as a complete unit, almost like a Venn diagram kind of idea of like, is this benefiting me? Is this not benefiting me? Is it kind of in between? Is it a little bit doing both? And like, what are the systems you interact with on a daily basis? What systems are you trying to, you know, maybe force into your life? Or like, what systems you need to let go of? If you look at that system world, if you will, you can find some interesting interplays and then maybe pick out some of those universal connections that make things work together. And finally, you can get into maybe things you never would have experienced or thought about. And again, it, when you remove the connotation and the judgment, that's when you can go about this. So if you remove the connotation and judgment from learning something like astrology, you can maybe use it more as a tool than some like self-proverbial self-help meditation um, prediction idea. You can maybe just look at something like, um, you know, just a general astrology horoscope and go, oh, okay, well, this is what they're saying is going to happen. Maybe I don't believe all that. But let me ruminate on what they're telling me here. Um, I'm, today might be a little stressful. I should take some time for myself at the end of the day. And I should. And then all of a sudden, you've now stepped out of a system that you had no control over into a system that you're now thinking upon. Again, this is warfare. That's how warfare is developed. A, a, a soldier on the battlefield was taught... And I'm going back, like, let's use the Roman legion as an example. A Roman legionnaire was taught, okay, you have a person next to you on your right and a person next to you on your left. You each have a shield, a spear, and a sword. When they move, you move. When they do this, you do that. And you might survive. You have a good chance of surviving. And that was it. That's their world. That's their system. It's this big. Take one step back. You have the Roman commander. I have a Roman legion. They're all legionnaires. They are legion. If I put them in this formation, when this formation comes at me, so like the perspective and angle changes and they have a different viewpoint, but they all have the same judgmental aspect. So when we remove that connotation and the judgment, you're simply left with the reception to destruct what's going on. And once we destruct something, remember chaos and order, we can chaos it and then give some order back to it. Or if it's too orderly, maybe we can throw some chaos at it and get it to shift the way we need it to. And we can have those interplays. So if we look at just horoscopes as an astrological idea of maybe what could possibly happen, we might just come up with the idea that, oh, my horoscope says today might be a little challenging. Maybe I should just like, Remember to like take a step back today and not make any super irrational decisions or blow up off the handle or have like a massive angry episode. If I just like go, oh man, I kind of knew something might've happened today. It did. Oh, that client was super shitty. That person cut me off in traffic. 
this, that, or the other thing. And just like that little reminder of that horoscope being like, not like, oh, you're going to find a $20 bill on your 13th step out of the office or out of your car on the third Tuesday of the next, you know, full moon. No, 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 no. Just, oh, wait. Tonight might be a little challenging. Maybe I should just give everything a little extra time, a little extra breath. That's a tool to be used. It's also a tool you could use, you know, for a little bit more self-awareness and the idea of what is maybe your, you know, go through your chart. Look at it. Are you, you know, quick to anger? Are you quick to get down on yourself? Are you a little too like anal about things? Are you, you know, do you get like neuropic about that? Like, it's just a tool. Once you get rid of the connotation of the judgment, you find that the systems are now just tools to be used. So let's bring this all into what I say about connotation. Why I want to remove the connotation from depression. If I remove the connotation, I remove the judgment. Now, mental health, specifically depression, just a tool. Just a, just another way of thinking about things, another way of looking at things. One in which that I have full control over in the end so that I can put in pieces and other systems and use some of those universal linking ideas to build upon my own system and create my own way of dealing with all the bullshit, dealing with the lies, the deceit, the corruption, the can't get ahead, the they got my order wrong, that person cut me off in traffic, I can't ever make enough money to pay my rent, I can't stop drinking, I, I can't stop smoking, oh, I'm just, I feel like shit all the time, my body's just so just ill and just, uh, just, I feel like crap and like, I can't get out of bed. I'm just tired. I work so much that never ending, just constant stream. Depression is just a tool. You just put pieces in place. Hey, Ooh, feeling a little, feeling a little wonky today. How's my, uh, how's my supplementation going? How's my diet? Okay. Got those little systems and those little pieces in place. Uh, feeling a little down today. Maybe I, uh, maybe I should take some time for myself later. Maybe I should make myself a good meal. Maybe I should call a friend that, you know, knows how to like perk me up. Maybe I should, you know, talk to my significant other about something or, you know, oh, maybe I'm just working too hard. Maybe I'm just, you know, just getting a little too much into the grind. Maybe I'm take a step back. Oh, you know, maybe finances are a little tight right now. Maybe I should try to find some extra income here or there. That whole idea of putting systems in place logic and rationale and just working through that happens when we remove the connotation, remove the judgment and we're able to receive and then just destruct. If you can receive something without connotation and judgment, you can look at it. You can be like, Hey, I got this package in the mail. It's wrapped. Okay. You like tear it open. What's inside? Oh, I have, uh, I have this and that and this and the other thing. What am I supposed to do with these things? Like you can take apart the problem. That's all engineering, by the way. Anyone who's ever, you know, done any training in engineering, most of it is learning how to break down the problem into a solvable issue. That's all true engineering comes down to like, here's a fucking problem. Let's find a solution. Well, we got to break down the problem first to find the solution that's going to fit. Maybe it's a bunch of little solutions that build one big solution. Again, working inside the systems. 
So what are the methodologies you use to communicate with things? Those are your systems. And just like computers, sometimes we need to upgrade the systems. Sometimes we need to refresh the knowledge, build better systems. So it's a good way to look at not only, again, the macro, as above, so below, look at the macro, the whole, and then the, the micro, the inside, the esoteric versus exoteric. That's what the mystery schools were designed to do. Almost all of them have some sort of philosophical canonical writing, be it a philosophy or a religion or a mystery school, or even just like the schooling you went through or the training you have at work, the systems, they're all meant to have an outcome. And they're designed to get to that outcome using certain parameters. Well, if we, again, no connotation, no judgment, move and break down, we can use those things inside of ourselves, outside of ourselves, esoteric, exoteric, and really come up with an idea of, is this serving me? Do I want to be a part of this? We can start to answer questions. That's another topic I want to get into is questions and answers. So it's, it's tough to come up with the right questions to get the right answers sometimes. And looking at systems as a whole and understanding that a system has to work inside of a system is an important way to ask better questions, get better answers. It's also a better way to find universal truths or just truth in general. And that's why systems are important. And, you know, Sometimes there is no right answer. It's a really great way of saying, sometimes there's no right system. So try some, you know, and if it doesn't work for you, it doesn't work for you. That's not the end of the world. It's, it's a, it's a game of chance sometimes. And it's a game of balance. But when we look at our education, our beliefs, the language we're using, the relationships, the emotions, those are all systems. That system creates our reality. That's its system. Then there's a, a system of choices and change, a system of perspectives. There's systems everywhere. So don't fear the systems. Don't get anxiety over the systems. They're all over the place. Your system, though, is your own. And your depression, again, can be can taken. We can destruct it. And we can then put in place the little systems that we want to use to make it a little bit more negotiable, to get mental health more controlled. We can have a little bit more control. One of those things, like I said, is I like to start with anatomy and physiology. What is your optimum vitamin levels? Are you deficient in vitamin D? Probably. A lot of people are. Are you deficient in vitamin C? Probably. A lot of people are. Are you deficient in vitamin A, B, or C, E, D? D is a hormone, by the way, not a vitamin, but whatever. Are you deficient in melatonin? Are you not getting proper sleep? Sleep's a huge, huge system. That the whole sleep system and the cycles it does in our body, you should covet sleep like a dragon covets gold. I do. You know, these are systems to make ourselves aware of. Awareness, right? Awareness of systems. So we might even take that idea of mental health and expand on it a little bit and, a, you know, self-awareness is really awareness of systems. Awareness of all these little interactions that, yeah, maybe we don't have time to figure out. And it's super fucking daunting. I get that. 
I really do. I like I said, I can't understand your depression, but I do understand the feeling of dauntingness because just even figuring out vitamins is fucking daunting. Just figuring out what to cook that night can be daunting. You know, it's much easier just to order something, right? Like that stuff can all be daunting. But even that is a system. And systems can be put in place to make sure that doesn't happen. Entire civilizations have been built on the idea of putting systems in place so that certain things don't happen or happen very irregularly so that they can be controlled. As above, so below. The macro and the micro. Building a civilization or preparing for war can all be done inside the human system, inside the, inside the human mind. can all be done mentally as an exercise to better understand ourselves. That is the lesson of history. If you, we are doomed to continue history if we don't learn from it, right? Well, learning from it involves systems. So look at your systems. Audit your systems, if you will. Figure out what you feel is your personal, like just base level system, like ethics, morals. What do you believe is right? What do you believe is wrong? You know, how does that interact with other things? And then maybe look at some systems of things that aren't working so great for you. Like what's a system that doesn't work well for you is like, um, for me, it's the follower thing. I, I, any system that involves me like to follow someone or like, Nope, it's not for me. I'm not a follower. It's, I'm more Miyasashi. I just don't, I don't do well following others. I like figuring things out for myself and building my own systems and my own path. That's just me. Maybe you are a follower. Maybe you this is like a like maybe that's why your systems aren't working. It's like you're trying to like forge this new path because that's what everybody in the self help thing has been telling me is I gotta go do my own thing. When in reality, you really just kind of need some structure and like a like oh okay if I just if I go do this path it works for me. Like someone lays this out for me. You know there are some people who like to go to jail because they like the structure of that. There's no decisions. They just, everything gets just done. Like that's, there are people like that. It's a very small portion of people, but that's the thing. Like people are so vastly different. The human system is so chaotically different that trying to imply order to it sometimes isn't the answer. Again, learning more about systems gets us better questions to get better answers. So look at your system, look at systems that aren't working for you. What kind of systems would you like to put in place? What systems like, would you like to try out? That's always a good list to make is like, what systems would I like to try? I did that with martial arts and I wrote down a bunch and then I went and tried them. Got me in trouble in the very end, but I went and tried a bunch of different systems. And I learned a bunch of different new stuff that I could put together into my own thing and make me, make Phil. And it was a long process and it's a process that never ends and I still do to this day. Sometimes we take breaks. Sometimes we get lost, sidetracked. It's all okay. It's all fine. As long as we're just developing the systems and working with the systems. And as one final piece, the reason I say you have to work inside of systems is because I'm often presented uh, in my field, massage therapy. And I was also presented with when I was teaching martial arts and training was, or training others, the systems that get a little bit deeper. And I, I only want to mention this simply because, um, some people get stuck in the metaphysics and the esoteric practices 
because they don't understand that they have to work inside the system. So if you are one of those individuals who's going much deeper than just kind of the base level ideas, and you're getting into things like uh, meditation, like deep meditations, like a Zazen practice, or getting into a yogic system, like deeply into a yogic system, or a martial art, uh, specifically something like Tai Chi or Qigong, or like a deep philosophical understanding like Gnosticism, Hermeticism, uh, alchemy, and those types of things. Those systems only work inside the systems. And specifically, based on the idea when we talk about energetic bodies or quote-unquote energy as a system, be it Reiki, Qigong, uh, the Prana system with uh, chakra meditations, they only work inside the system. That's a very important piece to learn because you're cultivating a specific idea and you're cultivating a specific mentality, a specific way of thinking and interacting with things. It's, it's a deeper level that you really need to be aware of. So it's just this last little piece I want to throw on here in the end is if you are doing those things, if you're becoming a Reiki practitioner, if you're studying Qigong um, or any of the, you know, the Qi processes or traditional Chinese medicine as a whole, and medicine in general, you know, be it Western, Eastern, Ayurvedic, you have to work inside the system. You, you can't take the system outside of that. You will find links to different systems in the end. Like the fascial system is one of the biggest links in the anatomy and physiology world that links almost all medical systems together in some way or another. But until you have a system to work with, you, you can't really understand that. So if you're going to get into those practices, I urge you at a very deep level to only work with that system to begin with. If, if you find one that resonates with you, stay within, within that system and get as much out of it as you can before you start branching out too far. It's okay to test other waters and it's okay to try other practices, but if you're doing Qigong, you really shouldn't have a Reiki practitioner work on you. Qi or Qi, they're different. Chi and Qi and Prana, you know, Chakra, they're, they're different systems. They do not work with each other. So much so that in the martial systems, if I run into a Karate Qi practitioner, which is different, like there's Karate and then there's a, a Qi practitioner, someone actually practices Qi work, um, I can meet them because I've studied that system now, but it if I were to do try and work chi into that, it's it's a confrontation. It's it's different. I can't I can't interact with them at the same level. Um, it's complicated. I might get into it another time. I just I really urge you to look at the system when it comes to energetic work or medicinal work and those types of things, and only work inside that system. And that even goes to like someone who's into uh, what's now considered holistic medicine or someone who's like into psychedelics or those types of things, the system is the system. You, you cannot go use, um, what's one to use here? You can't go use Ayurvedic meditation practitions and just hope like to use those and like get super high on marijuana or mushrooms or something like that and hope that's going to work. It's not, you have to use the Ayurvedic system of their medicinal ideas, you know, and the diet and those types of things that they use to make it work. Um, ayahuasca is a good example of that. I have never done ayahuasca. I have talked to someone who has, 
and I've also, you know, seen a lot of interviews and those types of things. The practice of ayahuasca is a system meant for ayahuasca. There's like big parts of that system are the purging diet, you know, not eating meat, only eating like almost like a liquid diet up to the day, uh, only eating fruits and vegetables, those, like that, the whole diet part of that. And then like the chanting and those types of things are only specific to that system. It doesn't necessarily work with a different system. So that's why I say like you really need to work inside the system because you could hurt yourself. If you're using Ayurvedic practices with, a, you know, if you're using an Ayurvedic diet, practicing um, Reiki or a key practice while trying to do, I'll just say Qigong meditations, you're, you're probably not gonna, it's not going to go well. Um, Qigong meditations specifically, depending on which meditation it is, works with the greater and lesser governing channel, which can be found in Ayurvedic ideas. But if you're using an Ayurvedic diet with a Reiki practice, you might run into like iron deficiencies because your blood flow is increasing too much. You're increasing your internal temperatures that your hemostat functions are going to get a little wonky. And then maybe your um, absorption of the medicine you're taking for something might get fucked up. So like you really just need to stay almost what they say, like stay in your lane. That's the important part of systems here. So just throwing that in here at the end for anybody who might be interested in those types of things. I do really think it's a great idea to go delve into those metaphysical ideas and those deeper uh, ruminations on energetic bodies and the human system and all those things. But again, pick your system, stay in that system for that, you know, to get what you can get out of it. And if you need to change, that's fine. Just remember systems don't always, they don't always cross and connect very well. You need to be at a certain level to be able to pick out those interactions and use them. And once you do get there, yeah, there's some amazing things to learn. Like again, like the fascial system, which kind of covers the whole, you know, it really brings Chinese traditional medicine into the Western medicine world, into the, you know, Ayurvedic practices, into the um, shamanic practices. It really connects a lot of things once you put it all together. So those systems are out there. Go try them out. And we'll get into more of um, more of the different things. Like, you know, what are the self-help systems that are out there? What are, you know, even like political systems, those types of things. As the podcast progresses, we'll get deeper into those ruminations, those ideas. But for now, remember, work inside the system, figure out your own systems, and then you can start to learn how you might you know, do a mental exercise of, is this system going to work for me? Is this system something I believe? Can I get something out of this? And we can get, again, better questions to get better answers. So take care. I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at taminghindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. But go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.